What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, February 19th, 2018, and you guys are listening to episode 344. Uh, how the heck is everybody doing? Uh, again, we're going to have another quick turnaround, guys. The show will be at its regularly scheduled time on Thursday, but uh, due to scheduling conflicts and being out west in Los Angeles, uh, I have to do I have to do the podcast uh, today uh, for things that were out of my control. But uh, for you Patreon subscribers, the uh, Verzi Effect came out with an episode with um, Joe Bartnick. We had a great talk, a great time out there. Uh, so you could check that one out. That one is on there, and more to come with the uh, subscription as well. Um, now. Getting to the, uh, today's show, a ton of stuff to talk about, guys. I uh, had an amazing trip out there in California. Some really wild, wild things happened. Things that, uh, <laughs> things that I never thought I would be, I would do. Uh, like fly in a helicopter uh, from Burbank Airport to our gig in Santa Barbara, and Bill Burr was the pilot of the helicopter. Uh, that happened, and <clears throat> I, yeah, I never thought in my life I would not, you know, first of all, when I started comedy, I never thought I'd be in a helicopter ride to a gig, but secondly, uh, I never thought that I'd be, Bill Burr would be, you know, flying me there, another comic that I was working was flying, uh, for you people that don't know, he's a helicopter pilot, and that was wild, so uh, I definitely have a funny, funny story about that. Um, a ton of stuff to talk about with sports, the Olympics going on, the disaster that is all NBA All-Star Weekend nowadays. Uh, saw a couple of movies that I want to talk about, all right? Got my unacceptable, had some shit happen uh, on, an air, uh, on an airplane with a certain, uh, uh, you know, with a certain, what's it called? What the hell is the word for an airline? I guess an airline, airline company, whatever, and... Uh, you know, of course, your guys' unacceptables and stories, uh, too. So, I uh, got a full uh, TVE 344, and you guys are going to get another one just in a few days here. So, it's going to be a, um, you know, quick turnaround again. So, sit back, relax, wherever you may be, and enjoy uh, TVE 344. Uh, so, uh, I'll start, I'll get into this, I'll get into this, um, this trip that I, that I took to uh, California. So, um... I flew out to California. This was a quick uh, trip. I went out there from, what was it, uh, Tuesday night? Was it Tuesday or was it? Yeah, so I, I flew out Tuesday uh, the 13th, okay? And I was going to be out there f- um, just until early Friday morning. So basically Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night and come in right back. Super, super early. I don't even know if you could call it uh, a Thursday night because I had to leave so early. So I leave my house 4.45 or whatever, 5 o'clock in the morning on um, on Tuesday. Which again, it sucks, but I don't know why. I think it was like, I like only direct flights. I'm not flying to LA and stopping somewhere. I just want to get on the airplane because it's a six and a half. It's six hours and like 15 minutes there. And five and a half on the way back. I don't want to stop. I don't want to, you know, I want to get on the plane when I have six hours to fly and sleep. All right, now I booked the flight last minute, of course. I always do. It drives my wife nuts. But in my business, things change. I don't know. For some reason, I've just always been trained to like, I don't hear, oh, you got a gig in April and book it right away. That's just not how comedy works because sometimes you know, things change, the venue changes, or your agent could say, hey, I got you this really big gig, then you could find out if you can switch gigs, or, you know, you always want to stay loyal to the people that first booked you, but sometimes they're like, hey, if you get a big paying gig, we'll switch this for you, so all types of things like that happen in stand-up, okay, so I booked a damn thing late, and uh, I find out, I gotta leave it, I got a 7 a.m., 7 a.m. flight, I go there, and I, I don't have a seat, Oh, because I flew Virgin America, okay, which no longer exists, by the way. They're in the middle of the transfer of, like, I guess Alaska Airlines has bought Virgin America, all right? So, but the ticket says 
The ticket there says Alaska Airlines. The ticket back says Virgin. So I go to the kiosk for Alaskan, and my flight's not there. Then they go, oh, no, this is Virgin. you got to wait online. There's no kiosks anymore for Virgin. you got to wait online. So I wait online. The guy goes, oh, I got you a window seat. I'm like, great. It's the last fucking row of the plane, and I can't recline because it's just up against the wall. But, oh, this is going to get me hot now because this is this, this is going to roll into my unacceptable, okay? So I go back, and it's like row 25. I have no space at all, just the three seats. And uh, the arm, the armrests only go halfway up. So I can't even utilize the three seats, having the whole row to myself and laying down on my side or trying to get some sleep. I can't even utilize it because it's only it go, only goes halfway up. So it's digging into my fucking ribs and the the one armrest next to the window doesn't... By the way, why does an armrest next to the window go up on these planes? It's like, do I really need to lean to the left with my head on the window with this thing going into my rib for six hours? Completely uncomfortable. Here's where I'm pissed. We were told, this is a full flight, this is a full flight. Okay, so put your bags, blah, 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 full flight, get your seat, all that shit. So I notice, I've been flying a long fucking time, okay, I notice that it's not a full flight, and even before they closed the main, the cabin doors, I knew that the flight wasn't full. So, as I'm going to my seat, the lady goes, oh, you're going to have to, I'm sorry, you can't put your bag by your seat, you're going to have to put your bag in the middle of the plane, that's the only room that we have for the carry-ons. So I said, fine. So I put my bag up by row 10 and I walk all the way down to row 25, my row, and I'm sitting there just with my little book bag, my regular, the the bag with clothes in row 10. So I noticed I closed the cabin door and I say, ma'am, if nobody sits by my bag, it's an exit row. That would be really amazing, which all the other airlines let you do. Okay, if they're like, you know, I said, if I could sit up with my bag and, you know, if, if there isn't anybody in those seats, not only was there one seat in the exit row available, there were multiple seats in the exit rows available and the exit rows were nine and 10. And I noticed that there were like four seats in nine and 10 not being used and my bag had to be there. And I told the lady, I said, look, I asked the guy too, like for the seat and everything. <clears throat> so she goes, well, let's just see, let's just see. So finally, I say to her, and she goes, no, you know what? You really need to upgrade before you get on the, before you get on the plane. You got to upgrade at the desk. I go, man, my bag is at 10. Nobody is sitting at 10. Nobody's sitting at 10. There's multiple things. I'll pay after. Like, I got on the plane not knowing, like, because I had to, I'll pay after. No, no, I'm sorry. But don't worry, you got the whole row. Fucking unacceptable. I had to sit in this row, uncomfortable, could not recline, and couldn't even utilize the three seats in this fucking aircraft. All right. While my bag is just sitting on top of two seats that aren't occupied with a shitload of leg room and you could go back and I was willing to pay after I would have even put it on a credit card. So it's unacceptable for two reasons. One, they didn't let me do it, which every other airline, every other time I've talked to a flight attendant. Okay. I I was on like 40 airplanes last year. Okay. And I could say probably 10 of those times I said early on when I boarded, if I had a seat, I didn't want, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. If that seat over there is not taken, um, I would really love the opportunity to. And it's kind of like a first ser- a first come, first serve, general admission type of type of situation, where you call out the seat that you want. Nobody's there. They are so accommodating. As a matter of fact, sometimes I've had flight attendants walk up to me and say things like, "Hey, just so you know, this seat up here is not taken. We have a really light flight. You're more than happy. We're more than happy to accommodate you." It's always so nice. This lady on Virgin or whatever, Alaska or whatever the fuck it was, made me sit back in this uncomfortable thing for six hours. I was in and out of sleep. It sucked. I was uncomfortable. Luckily, I was able to sleep halfway through the flight, so I didn't know what the fuck was going on half the time. But I knew the next day when my fucking ribs were bruised. Unbelievable. It's like, I don't understand. I really don't understand. And I wanted to call up the, the airline, but I don't even know which airline to call up because I don't think you could call Virgin anymore. I think you got to call Alaska and it's a Virgin plane. They all had Virgin outfit. I don't even know. It's just this bad time in the middle of the transfer. So nobody's going to, you know, because while people are probably still employed 
at Virgin for the next few months. They're not going to give a fuck if the call. Yeah, yeah, great, 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 yeah. You know, while their resumes flying all over every airport in America. I don't, I don't know. Nobody cares. But it really sucked. And it really bothered me just knowing that nobody was sitting there. And there were multiple seats. So if anybody in here, I know I have pilots listening. I know that I have people listening to this that work in the airline business. So if you're listening to this, Verzi Effect 344, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody higher up. Can you guys have the same credit card machine that you have for those fucking overpriced dry chicken salad sandwiches on the fucking plane? Yeah, you know the ones with the bread, the outside is hard as a rock and the middle is soggy that's been sitting on that fucking airplane all day? Yeah, can you, that same credit card machine where you're fucking people over with shitty food and overpriced drinks and little plastic cups of Diet Coke when you have three quarters of the can left filling it like that instead of giving people the whole fucking can? Yeah, that credit card machine where you're fucking people over over for a Bloody Mary that costs 12 bucks and it's it's a shitty one made in the sky. Yeah, that same credit card machine. Can you also have an option upgrade seat and have a little diagram, have a little fucking picture of the plane seat and say hit upgrade and take the fucker's poor money and do that? Can you do that too? Huh? Is that something that could be done? Lord knows you could take somebody's fucking money at any other place. I was willing to pay for it, which I shouldn't have. I'm telling you right now, you there should be like a lottery too, like any, I told them too, I asked if there was a, a first class upgrade last minute, and it was $399, and I was like, fuck it, I'll do it, I'll do it, and uh, don't tell my wife that, because my wife would be like, you what? But I was really seriously ready to pay, you know, I made some money, I was like, I'll pay fucking $399 to sleep comfortably for six hours with a big ass leather chair with my feet up, and they were like, oh no, unfortunately that's not available. But I can't have a $30 fucking exit seat if I'm willing to pay for it right then and there, which I shouldn't have because the plane wasn't full. Unacceptable. Shame on you, Virgin America or Alaskan Airlines. Your food fucking sucked. The seats were uncomfortable. So there you go. That's my unacceptable. I'll get to your guys' unacceptable, but I'm going to, um, I am going to, uh, go through this LA trip because, uh, it was a trip. It was a trip. So finally, finally I get off the, um, finally I got off the plane in, uh, probably what time? We were probably like 20 minutes, uh, were we 20 minutes late? Maybe like 20 minutes late or whatever. Uh, I land LAX like 1030 in the morning, LA time, you know, shitty sleep and all that. And, uh, I start, I get my shit, and I try to go rent a car, because I'm in LA, you can't not have a car in LA, and uh, Joe Bartnick and Burr, I had plans with Burr, I had plans with Joe Bartnick, and we were going to hang out at night and do all that shit, so I go to the rent-a-car place, No, I have to get on a shuttle, and the shuttle's all to the rent-a-car places, which is on like Aviation Boulevard, it's got all of them, you know, Hertz, it's got Enterprise, Avis, all that shit, budget, dollar, all that, so I go to Enterprise, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get a car. And they're like, you have a reservation? And I'm like, no. And they're like, all we have is exotics. And then they, there's this room. It's like another room away from, like, the fucking Hyundais and Toyotas and Kias and shit. And it's got, like, full-fledged Escalades loaded. It's got Audis. It's got BMWs. It's got Ferraris and all that. And they're like, oh, these start at, like, 150 a day all the way up to, like, 400 a day. And I'm like, nah, I mean, I was like, I'm in for a few days. Like, I don't need, I don't need that. I'm not paying for that. Uh, do you have anything? Can I get any kind of regular mid-sized sedan? They're like, no, unfortunately, it's All-Star Weekend week, which I didn't know. Uh, so now I'm fucked. So now I'm walking the streets of Los Angeles, uh, down the block, just going in and out of rent-a-car places. And like, ah, you know, this one, this is going to be 900 bucks for three days. And I'm like, 900 bucks for three days? I'm like, the other place said this. So finally, I walked, like, oh, go down the block. And I'm like literally dragging my thing. I'm like, what a way to start L.A. It's hot. I'm dragging my bags. I'm tired as shit. I don't have a car. And then finally, I go to a dollar rental. And, uh, you know, they overcharge too. They even said everything is up more because of the All-Star weekend. So I got a car for like whatever. A few hundred bucks for the for the time being or whatever. Two hundred something dollars for a couple nights. And I extended it the next night. And then I'm driving around. Uh, and I got... Um, yeah, so then I run into... I, 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 you know, 
ran into Burr, met his beautiful daughter, just had a great time. Then uh, went over to Bartnick's, and then we all had a plan to uh, to meet up that night at a cigar lounge in Pasadena, and then um, just hang out, lay low. and And I was gonna stay over in that area, and then the next night I was going down to Venice to perform at that at that show. So <laughs> wait for this, wait for this. So fast forward, and we're all in a cigar lounge in Pasadena. And all my L.A. boys were there, except Lawhead didn't show up. He, he, I don't know what happened with him, but um, he, he, so I get there, and it's it's Burr, it's Josh Adam Myers. For you people that don't know, Josh Adam Myers is the guy who started the, um, the, uh, the goddamn comedy jam, where the comedians that basically, like, they sing karaoke and stuff, and they tell a story about a song and then sing it. So Josh was there, me, Joe Bartnick, and my buddy Sean Quinn shows up. And we're sitting at this nice cigar lounge. Fast forward, we're all sipping on like bourbon. We're all smoking cigars. And now we start getting buzzed and sports arguments come up. I'll just tell you like this. The argument of Alex Smith going to the Redskins versus Kirk Cousins staying there turned into four of us screaming at the top of our lungs, you don't know what you're talking about, you're out of your fucking mind, screaming about two quarterbacks we don't give a shit about, about two teams we don't give a shit about. We're such prideful dickheads in our sports arguments. We are yelling. I I mean, I'm talking about yelling. We were personally insulting each other. Like, it got so serious that we were personally insulting each other's personal lives about, oh, fuck you, you don't know, you see, that's your problem. You think, yeah, because you got a fucking ego about guys we don't, that's how stupid and competitive sports arguments we get. It got to the point where at one point, Sean Quinn said something. Bartnick and Sean start screaming at each other. Me and Burr start screaming at each other. It, it was the whole place was looking at us where we had to calm down. Uh, but that's when we knew we were just having a good time and we were all friends. And, you know, because it doesn't matter where we are in the country. There's always going to be a couple of guys drunk and buzzed, dr- uh, drinking a scotch, smoking a cigar, and a sports argument comes out. Like when we were in Vegas, me and Lawhead were screaming at the top of our lungs about Floyd Mayweather uh, in in the greatest steakhouse I've ever had, which was in the Mirage. It was the best piece of meat I ever had in my life to this day. And we're screaming in this five-star insane restaurant, which was like a $600 or $700 dinner for only a couple of us. I mean, it was wild. Where we like Tables were like shutting down, looking at us. The owner came out. They, they, they loved it. But uh, it was, yeah, so we did that, we do that shit, and then and then I, I go to Bartnick's, and then the next day, uh, I perform at that uh, show, the Venice Underground show, uh, Bronson Jones' show. Uh, for you people that don't know, it's one of, like, I guess the hottest rooms or well-known comedy shows out in California in the, in the, actually, people talk about it in the country, they're just like, yeah, um, Wednesday night, Venice Beach, hottest comedy show, uh, every Wednesday night for seven years, they pack this room out. Uh, you know, big time comedians, up and coming comedians, celebrity comedians, everybody knows about it. If they're in that area, they jump on the show. The dude worked with me at a casino, the Yonkers Casino. We talked. I was going to be in town. It worked out. He puts me on it. I even had family come out there. I got, got my family members a table. And uh, now for you people that don't know, Venice Beach is an absolute fucking shit show. I mean, you're talking about like white people in dreadlocks with like a Rastafarian hat and like the weirdest accent you've ever seen. You're talking about, you know, like it's like creatures. It's like it makes the Jersey animals look like fucking. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, think of the shittiest part of Jersey. I don't know. I mean, you could go anywhere. I mean, Wildwood. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> any part except the three nice neighborhoods. No, I'm kidding. I give Jersey a bad, Jersey gets a bad rap for me, but you know what I'm saying? Picture animals. Okay. Just, I mean, it makes them look like they all work for fucking Goldman Sachs. I mean, it, I'm not even kidding around. We went over by the beach and there were like these just, I mean, it's a ton of these just like, 
I don't even know what to say. Like this one lady, she was all dirty. She had this half shirt on. She had like this bandana on. She was like half dressed. Look, you know, I don't know if she was homeless or not. And she was just doing weird shit with her arms, looking up at the sky, doing some weird shit. This one guy just rolls up to me. He just rolls up in a wheelchair. Guy's face was all cracked. His skin. Uh, this guy looked like he was like, you know, 115 years old, but like in a, you know, but like really 50, you know what I mean? You ever see somebody, you're just like, dude, that person is probably 48, 50, but he just looked like a shriveled up fuck. This guy looked like he smoked 18 packs of cigarettes a day. He was all fucked up and he just rolled up in a wheelchair and I'm outside the club and I had a little cigar, you know, uh, and he just goes, what do you want? A cigarette or something? And I was like, nah, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, nah, I'm smoking a cigar, man. And he just stared at me as he rolled off. It was like a movie. It was like a movie where, like, remember in um, Adventures in Babysitting when the friend was like, <laughs> yeah, you guys will remember this, especially if you're, if you're my age. If you're in your, you know, your 30s, mid-30s, whatever, you'll remember this. Remember in Adventures in Babysitting when the friend called up Elizabeth Shue and she's like, you got to come down here, you got to get me. There's a guy, and the guy's going like, get out of my house, get out of my house, and she kicks his stuff out, and she goes, you just moved, and then one guy's like showing her a gun, and nodding his head, and then putting it back, Venice Beach is that amongst people that want to go to the beach, it is the fucking, it is the craziest scene you have ever seen, I'm not even kidding, and it was just, but this is outside, in the show, pretty cool. Um, the room is really big and gets packed. So a couple of people was a little chatty a couple times. Um, I went on early in the show. I really had a good time. One dickhead heckler was just heckling people the whole time. And he would just say something bizarre. So, uh, I was at the end of my set and I had a really good time. I felt like I had a really good set and everything is going good. And I'm on my last joke. I'm ready to wrap up. People are enjoying it. And I'm talking about I'm talking about my kids, and it just out of nowhere, he just goes, "How much did you pay the babysitter?" And it kind of threw me. I just looked at him. I go, "What kind of fucking question is that?" And it was just the weirdest thing because you could go the like, a it's my it's I don't know, it's my last uh, what's it called? It's my last joke. I don't want to get into it with this guy. I don't want to go into the you know, get into this whole thing. I really don't. I don't want it to be so crazy, you know, make the next comic feel all shitty. Be like, what happened? It was a great set. Everything's going good. People are laughing, have a good time. This one guy yells something bizarre out and Paul just snapped and destroyed him. I could have said something. I could have been like, how much did I pay him? Ah, you know, not, you know, much less than I pay your mother to fuck her in the ass on Friday nights. Ah! You know, stupid shit like that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that, you know? So I'm like, what do you mean? Kind of stupid question. And then I just go, but he just loved it. And he just like stared with this arrogant, stupid face. And part of me wanted him, you know, to, to see the news the next day that he was bludgeoned to death within an inch of his life with like a price on a piece of paper. And it said that much. And they staple gunned it to his head. You know, one could dream. But um, yeah, other than that, I had I had a great time, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So shout out to Bronson Jones, and uh, if you're ever in Venice on a Wednesday night and want to see great comedy, definitely check that show out because it's a uh, it's a top room that everybody knows about. Um, so that was the uh, Venice night. So the next night, it's me and Burr going to uh, Santa Barbara, and we're performing at the beautiful. Arlington uh, Theater in Santa Barbara, California. Now, I heard amazing things about Santa Barbara. Never been there. And uh, it was beautiful. I mean, we weren't there long. But here's the crazy thing. We flew the helicopter from Burbank to Santa Barbara. And when I say we, I meant Bill Burr flew this plane, flew this helicopter. Dean Del Rey also shows up. So I'm, I was so ignorant to the fact what was going on. We're sitting in the aviation place. We're sitting in the helicopter place. I'm sitting there with Burr. And all of a sudden, Dean Del Rey walks in. I'm like, oh, shit, Dean's here. What's up? Not even putting two and two together that he's coming with us. 
So I just lean over and I go, where are you going, man? Goes, I'm going with you guys. You know Dean's voice, right? And fucking, yeah, it's going to be rad, bro. You know, Dean's great. Dean, if Dean doesn't put you in a good mood, like Dean is just like, Dean is just so positive and such a fucking hustler, you know? He's like, it was fucking wild, bro, you know? So I go, he's like, yeah, I'm coming with you. So I go, oh, Bill, I didn't know Dean's coming with us. He goes, ah, yeah, sorry, I just, sorry, I didn't tell you. So Bill's like, you know, I'm flying with the instructor that taught me and his wife is coming, but we're in a bigger chopper. So I've never, guys, I've never been in a helicopter in my life, okay? You guys know me. I'm not huge on flying. I love aviation. It fascinates me, but it scares me. Um, you know, I always just always get, you know, always get a little freaked out when I'm in a vulnerable position that I'm not in control of. So we go out into this helicopter. Dean's on the left. The instructor's wife is in the middle. I'm on the right in the back. We strap in and you put the headsets on and you have the microphone and everybody can hear each other and talk. Bill is flying the thing and the instructor is next to him. All right. We get in this thing. They're going through all the checks, all these safety things, everything. And then the fucking thing starts going. Like, and you just. It's just spinning and you're like, holy shit, man. It's crazy. And I don't know if that sound effect did it, but that's how I heard it. It was You know, and, uh. The whole thing starts shaking and you don't build up speed to take off. As somebody said, you basically just start hovering. So in the first second, you're just 10, 20 feet straight up and you're just hovering back and forth. It's like you're in a toy. I don't even know how to describe it. And they're like, all right, yeah, go. And then they call the, they, they talk to the tower and the tower's like, all right, you can go. And we just start going. And the thing is shaking and the thing is shaking and I get used to it and we start going and everything was pretty fine except, and you just basically go along the highway. So it's almost like you're driving on the highway except you're over it, but you're fucking like, you know, it goes up to like 2,000 feet. And then when you're pretty much like hovering, you're around like four or 500 feet, which I always liked better because it was less turbulence. I didn't realize there's turbulence up there. So at one point we started getting thrown around and I was just quiet. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude, this is not, you know, and I'm like looking around and I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, I think the, the girl in between us, I think she was getting sick and, uh, I kept closing the window because the window kept blowing open and I kept sliding it closed cause it was freezing. She liked it open cause it wasn't making her sick anymore, which she told me after we landed. So, uh, we land at the airport, get in a car, go to the gig five minutes away, which was really cool to get out of a helicopter and go to a fucking gig to perform in front of whatever it was. 25 to 2,500, 3,000 people. Awesome. Dean and I have a great time on stage. It was awesome. Uh, after the show, the owners of the San Francisco 49ers were there. The fucking owner and president and, uh, and people that they were with came out to the show. Could not have been fucking cooler. Like, so cool. The president of the San Francisco 49ers... They were asking me what I thought of the Eli thing, and they were telling me how great of a guy Eli was. So fucking nice. So cool. Like, I actually respect that organization now, and uh, yeah, like, they were awesome. And uh, now we got to fly back at night. And the instructor is going, oh, here's what the instructor said on the way there. And this is what I noticed about him. He's really precautious, overly. He's like, oh, we got a plane coming right at us, and I'm hearing that shit. He goes, yeah, it's beneath us. We don't have time to go low, so we'll just stay here. And he's saying all this shit, and I'm like looking around like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, I'm like looking out the windows like, I don't see a fucking plane. And I'm like, I'm not fucking dying over to 101 today. I Fuck that. Um, So he's going, yeah, it's going to be dark, dude. I just, I've been thinking about this all week. I just hope we're not blind up there. And he's talking to Bill like that, and I'm going, blind up there, dude. What the fuck are we doing then? All right, Bill's a fucking comedian, and this guy's, you know, obviously t- saying it's, he, we're going to be blind up there, and he's worried about this and the wind, and he's just talking about everything that can go wrong. And then the wife goes, I'm going to drive back with a friend. I'm not going to fly with you guys. I'm going to drive back. So now I'm thinking of like, oh, shit, man, what the fuck? Should I be driving back? So we get in this thing. Bill takes off, and right as we're going, he's going, what's wrong with the gas? Something's wrong, man. So we're already up in the air now. And, I, and me, we hear this. We could all talk. When you talk into the microphones, like right up to your lip, when you talk into it, you can hear everybody clearly. But, you know, in that radio thing, like, yeah, this is the tower. We got, everybody has that shit. And he's going, 
He's going, dude, we got a gas, man. Like, I don't know, dude. And he's like, worst case, what do you think? Worst case. And Bill's like, you know, worst case, we'll land here and we'll, we'll, we'll refuel. And he's just like looking. He's like, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of fucking screwing me, screwing me up, man. And I'm going, what the fuck are we, I mean, do we not have gas in this thing? I mean, what are we doing here? Like, I'm freaking, Bill's being calm as could be, man. Great pilot. Great, great pilot. Like, I got to tell you, man, like, calm and cool. Like, he's literally, dude, the guy, the guy that fucking, the guy that trained him, all right, is, like, more concerned. And Bill's like, oh, we'll be fine. Like, Bill is who you want flying. Like, when this guy gets enough hours, he's going to be like, this dude was next level. I'm not even kidding around. Bill Burr is a great pilot, man. He's got a cool, calm head. Like, he is... Like, he seemed like if shit was going down, even though obviously he'd be concerned and scared like everybody else, like, he would do everything in his power to make sure that everything worked out. He's got that pilot shit. You don't want me flying it. You want him flying it. Because if I was flying it, I'd be like, yo, we're out of fucking gas, man. Like, we're going down. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, let me just put it in the beach so we only kill ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I would be, I would, I mean, a couple turbulence, I'd be like, yeah, you know, tell the kids I love them. I, I, I wouldn't be good up there, to be honest with you. So I say to fuck, I say to this guy though, cause I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous. Fucking a thousand feet in the air in a toy that's flying all over what we mean. The wind was making us bu- go around like a fucking bee, you know, just buzzing and shit. Just, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and it's a single engine. God forbid something happens. It's a single engine. So it's not like engine failure. We're fucked. That's what happens. You know what happens? They're like, oh, you could do this. You could do a rotation. You know what happens when a single engine, fa- you drop like a stone. That's what happens. You drop like a stone and then you read about it in the news. And I don't want that shit to happen. So I say to this guy and I'm like, and he looked young. Bartnick's like, oh, you're going to be with that one Navy SEAL guy, huh? That guy looks like he's got a shit. This kid looked kind of young. So I, I say to him in between the, the, the rides, I go, hey, man, so how long you been doing it? And I'm thinking this guy's going to go, ah, you know, it's been like 12 years now. I'm up every day. He goes, ah, around like, I don't know, 2014-ish. And I'm going, 2014-ish? I'm like, Bill's been doing it since 2004. What the fuck? Why the fuck is this guy here? You know, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. This kid's got, you know, apparently he's got like 700 out with more hours than Bill, though. He goes up all the time. Like, this is his life. This is what he does. So, like, he's been up there a ton, and I get that. But, um, so after the gig, we're flying at night. The gas thing gets resolved. He goes, oh, they're fine. They're fine. Gauges are right. Gauges are right. We got enough gas. And now we're flying back, okay? And all of a sudden, we start getting high, and we're going down the coast. And coming in the daylight with the coast and the sun going down was beautiful. At night, you see nothing to the right where there's water. And to the left, you just see the buildings and the cars and the lights. And we start getting high. And now, the fucking wind is blowing us around. And we're in some straight-up turbulence where the whole fucking plane got... I mean, the whole helicopter, we all got quiet. And at one point, the instructor just goes into his microphone. How you doing, Verz? Are you doing all right back there? And everybody started laughing. And I wasn't. I was not doing all right up there for a second. I was literally going, dude, if this thing drops, man, like, I'm, what the fuck? Can we lower this thing? And every time Bill would get lower, I noticed this because every time we would go to like 500 feet, it was smooth with no turbulence. Every time we'd be at like 15, 1800 feet, whatever it was, 1200 feet, we would move around a lot which I guess is normal, but I'm thinking, can we just stay low? Like, we, how about we just fucking hover 12 feet over the thing and get there fast? We'll just be above the cars. I guess it doesn't work that way. But um, what a gangster way to fly, though. Um, and, and uh, yeah, but I'm not going to lie to you. It was an hour anxiety attack. It's an hour anxiety attack. Listen, when you fly in something like that and you've never done it before, you could act like you don't give a fuck. You could act, these people could act all tough, act like they know what they're doing. The bottom line is, okay, when you're vulnerable up there, it's an anxiety attack for whatever the duration of the flight is. Not fully, but you just know in your head, like, look, you know, I've read papers before and, you know, but luckily, thank God, everything worked out. Um, and that's it. So that was that was that was that, and then uh, the next day I, uh, the next day I flew out. I had to fly back to uh, I had to fly back home, and I get on the plane, and it was Virgin America again. And guess what? Half the fucking flight was turbulence. Half the flight. I'm sitting next to this actress who was coming to New York. She was texting her mother. She thinks she's gonna die. She's like, I fly all the time. This is. She called him a driver. She goes, he's a bad driver. 
And I was like, I don't know about that, but it was not cool. And then to top it off, we're in a holding pattern because it was an emergency on one of the runways. We were in a holding pattern just circling Newark Airport. And that was over a six-hour flight feeling like shit. I had to land and come home, two-hour drive to get home, and then I had a gig, 35 minutes to be on stage from my house, and I just got there up in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. And uh, some drunk asshole got thrown out before I got on stage, and I would have loved to have a piece of that guy. He was just yelling bullshit, bullshit, bullshit to everybody, and they finally kicked him out. So, uh, yeah, so I was shot, tired for that gig, but I made it. So that was my um, that was my Los Angeles trip. Uh, now we got now I want to go get into the um, let's see here, what should we? Okay, we get into sports. Oh, we'll get into some movies, and I still have your unacceptables. Let's get into the sponsors, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verzi Effect as you do every week. Uh, and uh, you guys know we have great sponsors. And guess what, guys? We got some more sponsors coming aboard. People reaching out, and we're looking forward to uh, to working with. All of these amazing companies. But first, let's shout out the Verzi Effect sponsors. The Verzi Effect is sponsored by Chassis. That's right, Chassis Premium Body Powder for men. Your man care down there. What does that mean, Paul? It means your balls. That's what it means. It means your man parts. That's what man care for down there means. You want them smelling good, you're going to use Chassis. You want no chafing, you want no odor, you want no sweat, use Chassis Premium Body Powder and its amazing special uh, special Hydro Shield technology. Chassis contains no talc, no aluminum, no parabens, or no menthol. That's right. It's all natural, all good balls. That's it. All fresh smelling, amazing stuff. They have amazing new products. They have their Extreme Cream. They have their uh, Shower Primer, which is a 5-in-1. You have to check out Chassis, guys. Okay, um, people are checking it out and they're loving it. One bottle of Chassis will uh, last you up to four months. Three to four months, guys, with one bottle. Okay, that's getting your money's worth of this. And uh, everybody I know that uses this Chassis thing has thanked me. Thank you, Paul. And we'll be doing something with them um, pretty soon. Uh, running a promo soon. Okay, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna check that out. You guys, uh, please let me know how much you love and uh, use the uh, product. Where can you get the product? Great question. You can get this unbelievable powder for your balls at chassisformen.com or amazon.com. Chassis is spelled C H A S S I S. Okay, like the undercarriage of a car. Everybody, right under there. You know the way you want it nice and pristine. You know, no oil leaks. Well, same thing. Keep those balls from sweat, chafing, odor, and all that. Um, And uh, whoever is around you in those areas will thank you as well. So check out Chassis uh, for men.com and Amazon.com for your uh, bottle of Chassis. Get it today. Also, City Living Dog. Check out City Living Dog Services and Coach Mike, his amazing YouTube channel, his amazing videos of him with these dogs that suck that you'd be like, get that dog the fuck away from me, and then he turns him into a choir boy. Yes, he does. He's helped us. He will help you. He's helped Verzi Effect listeners. Check out all of his social media. Like I said, his uh, YouTube, his Twitter, his Instagram, his Facebook, Coach Mike, City Living Dog. Also, all things comedy, guys, for your favorite podcasts, for your favorite online content such as the new comedy shows, new cooking shows, new poker shows that they have on there. Also, comedy albums. And yes, the first of many comedy specials with uh, some news to be um, relayed to you guys up in the very near future. So sit tight with the with my special, but they're going to be working on other specials. So many amazing things are happening at All Things Comedy. You can check that out at allthingscomedy.com and follow them on, on Twitter at allthingscomedy. Okay, let's let's see where we are with the show here. Let's see where we are. We're moving right along. All right, we're about 40 minutes, 40 minutes in almost. So... And you guys are getting another one on Thursday. And thank you, Patreon subscribers. Hope you enjoyed the one with Bartnick. It was a good one. We went a little long with it, but um, yeah, that, we had a good we had a good one there. Okay, um, you know what I'll do? I'll do your guys on acceptables. How about that? Let's go to your guys on acceptables right now, and then we will finish up with sports, uh, which there's some definite stuff to talk about, and movies, and there's definitely some stuff to talk about there. So. Let's go. I should have had the page up. Uh, I had it. I had it up. Actually, I had it up. 
I'm doing all right, guys. Got a nice flow to the show already. All right, here we go. Here we go. This one is from Hassan. I believe Hassan is a has a definitely a regular listener, and I think Hassan has. Uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, sent me something before, but have not heard from in a while. So thank you, and uh, good to have you back, Hassan. Here we go. Valentine's Day unacceptable. And Hassan says, hey, Paul, so my girlfriend and I work from home, so we decided to do a Valentine's Day meal midday to avoid the nighttime uh, crowds. Great idea. Uh, We went to some grilled fish spot in Pittsburgh. I don't even like fish, but it's Valentine's Day, so whatever. And you know, uh, this isn't a day that gives a shit about uh, guys. So we had our meal, and I paid the bill. The waitress comes back to pick up the checkbook and says, thank you for coming. Looks directly at my girlfriend and says, happy Valentine's Day. Loud and shit and walks away. The waitress fucking ghosted me after taking my money and gave gave my girlfriend the ultimate Valentine's Day praise. Unacceptable in this Me Too era. All I could say is Me Too, bitch. Where's my happy Valentine's Day? I like pink and would fuck up a box of chocolates. (laughs) Anyway, it's been a while since I really wanted to say uh, hi with an unacceptable. Have a good one, Paul. Well, Hassan, you're 100% right. Okay? You are 100% right. And I think that, I mean, I don't know if it's the movement or whatever's going on, but I can tell you this. The other night I was on stage and I just said a line. I said something about feminists and calm down, ladies. But I said something along the lines of like, I said there's... You know, who's not a feminist, really? A feminist means that women should, I talked about it before, women should have equal rights, women should, you know, get paid the same as a man, they should be independent, not treated any differently. Absolutely. I have a daughter and a mother and a wife and and women in my life, of course. Anybody who doesn't think that's crazy. You know, the fact that people have to say, I'm a feminist, see, that means it just goes too far the other way. You know, the... the, (laughs) The future is female. Shut the fuck. The other day on stage, I go, you know what? There's a fine line between a feminist and a cunt. And uh, fortunately, it went really well, actually. <laughs> it really did. It went It went great, actually. They, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, they liked it. But yeah, you know, they don't care about the guy on Valentine's Day. It's just, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you get home safe, sweetheart. Fuck you. Thank you for the write-in, buddy. Uh, job interview slash going to the stand. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to mess this name up. Uh, Tosif? Uh, Tosif. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Or Tosif. Tosif. No, I think it's Tosif. Uh, Dear Paul, unacceptable. This week I heard back from an earlier job interview. Uh, during this interview, which lasted an hour, the COO of the company kept telling me uh, that my previous experience, previous experiences lined up perfectly with what they were booking for. Uh, she also kept giving me positive body language, smiling, and lots of eye contact. Then a week later, HR tells me that they decided to hire an intern candidate instead. Why would they call me in for an interview, tease me by the way they were giving positive signals if they were just going to hire somebody within the company anyway. This feels worse than the time I paid a hooker 200 only to end up with blue balls because I couldn't come fast enough for her. Wow. Jeez. That's a, I mean, I love how you started that as if it was like a uh, family guy. That reminds me of the time, and this you really went there. Like that was like a literally a family guy. That reminds me of the time I paid two hundred for a hooker. I couldn't come fast, and she just like walks out the door. Uh, wow. All right, acceptable. To make myself feel better about not getting the job, I decided to go see you at the stand this past Tuesday because it was a last second decision to see you. Uh, I couldn't uh, find anyone to go with, but I thought going alone would be better than staying at home moping around. Then. Uh, one of your comedians gives me shit for being by myself, but I do appreciate a good laugh, even at my own expense, so, uh, so I'll count it as an acceptable. Oh, that's awesome, man. I wonder, were you, were you the guy 
right back to me. Were you the guy to the right that I was like, oh, what are you here by yourself? And you were like, yeah. And you're like, I'm a fan. I love the podcast. And then I go, well, I'm not fucking with you then. I, I think, was that you? If it was, that is awesome. And thank you for coming. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're unacceptable. Did take a weird turn, but I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, I guess. Thanks so much for listening, brother. All right, here we go. A uh, couple more guys, and then we will get into some stuff. I have some other stuff to talk about. Um, here we go. This is from Jason. Unacceptable. Paul, I sent an unacceptable last week about the ice cream uh, behind the cereal, and then you told your story about stealing from ShopRite and getting caught. Well, Paul, it just happens... That's where I work. I've been a cashier at ShopRite for almost a year and a half. And the unacceptable I have for today is the amount of people that we actually catch stealing. <laughs> Paul. And it's so funny how many people have gone out in handcuffs uh, over a fucking steak. If you want to steal, go to Best Buy and steal a damn TV. At least make it worth it, you damn degenerates. Love the show. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, that's true, dude. Getting dragged out of a supermarket, you know, because you got a London broil down your pants. <laughs> like, how embarrassing is that? Because you know that you're just stealing because you're trying to feed yourself or feed your family. You know, that's really fucked up. Like, yeah, I agree. I got caught stealing. One time I got caught. No, my mother caught me stealing sharp provolone cheese. I was like 13 years old. And I used to, you know, visit my dad on our visitation days. My parents got divorced, and he would have, like, sharp provolone cheese and the Italian meats, and I just got accustomed to it. I remember I was just food shopping with my mom, and I just had this hunk. It was, like, $12, $13 hunk of cheese I put down my pants, and she saw it in the car, and she goes, that's not on the receipt. I didn't buy that. And she's like, go back. Go go in there and return it. I'm like, I'm not returning. Yeah, hey, I stole this. here." No. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so embarrassing, getting caught stealing, like, I had a friend who used to steal, like, he was broke, and he used to steal, like, not only would he steal, like, meats and cheeses, but he, he stole a jar of, like, mustard, and would make a sandwich, like, outside the place, uh, Jesus, <laughs> thanks for the, um, thanks for the, uh, submission, two more guys, here we go. Legendary Hell Gig from Brian Plum. Comedian Brian Plum. Shout out to Brian Plum, comedian from the New England area. Funny guy. Uh, Paul, what's up, man? Hope all is well. I did a private recently that's so ridiculous I couldn't believe it even happened. I did a show for a local billionaire. The show was in his gated compound that had like eight houses and looked like a place where the Illuminati met weekly to run the world. The show was for about eight people and the main billionaire had a stroke and was confined to an electric wheelchair, which of course I was, uh, I was not told about. I was getting ready to go on and all of a sudden his friends bring out a giant box on wheels. The box opens and it's a transgendered person dressed as Marilyn Monroe. Uh, she starts... Uh, starts singing horrible while stripping and dancing on the guy in the wheelchair. Everybody was stunned and half laughing. The dance ended with the wig falling off of her uh, off and her running out the door with what seemed to be a pimp that was five two. <laughs> then the host gets up and just says, "Who's ready for comedy?" After that, not even I was ready for comedy. Have a good one, man. Oh, that's a great one, Brian. That's a great one. There you go. That's comedy in all of its glory sometimes. Isn't that the worst? Oh, my God. When it's just for like a private thing. I remember standing in somebody's living room. And there were grown adults sitting Indian style. And I was just standing in front of their TV. Oh, my God. The things we did. The things you do to get on stage when you're coming up in this business is so funny and like looking back at it it's like I guess I had to do it and I I love it and it made you it made me the comedian I am today and it made me earn a lot more things or feel good about what I earn but the things you have to do like you people don't understand you people see us sometimes on TV or you hear our albums or you go and see us at a at a packed club that's amazing you don't understand man we're standing on soda crates and pubs with TVs on when we're starting I remember one of the best jokes I got long, long time ago at the time, best joke I had, and I was standing on a soda crate in Jersey, 
Like while people were like, like while eating chicken parm. It was brutal. Okay, last one, guys. Here we go. Um, this is from Bobby. I got the same unacceptable basketball injury in a different way, but I wasn't playing basketball. This is from Bobby. Bobby from Seaford, New York, Long Island. Hey, Paul, long-time listener, first-time unacceptable was at your special last year, and you crushed it. I had the same basketball injury as you. Worst sprain that isn't a break. Uh, a little background, I was living at a former girlfriend's house that was next to the grocery store that I worked at and her parents uh, and her parents owned. Uh, I was in my mid-20s and uh, was friends with all the grocery store employees, including a college kid who lived a block away from the store-slash-apartment where I lived and worked. Okay? Um, I don't know if you are aware, but grocery store employees party hard. And every night we'd go out and close bars. There was also a basketball hoop behind our store, and we'd hang out in the parking lot smoking weed and whatnot. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh, walking back towards the store one night, all of us completely done for, my boy decided to uh, air dunk with uh, no b-ball. His form was like a, was a six in the dunk competition. I literally said, you pussy, this is an air dunk. Uh... Uh, went full reverse Sean Kemp, uh, <laughs> glass breaker mode, came down after my epic jam, pop, uh, got home somehow, woke up the next day, tried to walk, felt like I got shot. Uh, my ex's mom called the ambulance, a uh, whole town came out to watch me get loaded in while uh, all of the supermarket homies were laughing their asses off at me. Was at the bar with the boys on crutches for the next month. I still hear about it to this day. I uh, I used to be an unacceptable savage. Sorry about the length and thank you for the free comedy. Getting a Patreon soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Like, I should have been on crutches the next, like, week. And I wasn't. And people that were close to me were like, you should definitely not be walking on that. The next night, I had that gig in Yonkers, and I was walking around like a 90-year-old man, and they were like, you got to keep you keep off of it. So I probably, I mean, I could walk on it now. I still have little issues, but um, that's hilarious that you did it by just, you broke your leg by not even playing. I was at least competing. You're right. So, so it is unacceptable, but great first unacceptable, Bobby. Hilarious. Thank you so much for uh, contributing to the show and writing in. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Those are the unacceptable. So the Verzi Effect, episode 344. And uh, let's move on with the show here. Uh, all right, guys, sports. I am loving, me and my family are loving watching the Olympics. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, what's not to like? These people are going like 100 miles an hour down a hill as fast as a car goes, and then they're doing like triple flips and landing. Like, I mean, if that's not enjoyable. And, and, and everybody's got to calm down. I like the curling. The curling's fine. But I saw something in the Olympics that had me crying laughing. This guy was uh, figure skating, right? He was figure skating. And uh, he, he was like this music was just like it was like, yeah, bana bana. And it was like it had like all kinds of like uh, like a cowboy theme. Like, a, like I, I can't even do it. But it was just like just picture the groove into it. And he's moving his hands and he's moving his, you know, everything. And he's just grooving back and forth, he's grooving back and forth. And uh, he's, he jumps and he tries to do a triple axel and he falls and slides across the ice. And he's got like black velvet pants on and they're all white. And then he just gets up <laughs> and he just starts doing this mamba dance right after he fell. And like he had to ignore the fact that his dreams were crushed in that moment. And he just went back to this stupid, silly, goofy like mamba dance or whatever the fuck he was doing. And I start crying like a lunatic. Like I am, I was waiting for my wife to go. What the fuck? Can you shut up, you asshole? Kids are sleeping. I was howling, crying, because you just had to see this guy just do this triple fall and slide, and you hear the crowd gasp. Then he gets up and they start clapping, and he goes into this dumb, goofy dance with his arms, probably while he's devastated, and he just had to stay in character. Oh my god! And I don't mean I don't mean to laugh at somebody's misfortune, but if you just saw the dance after it. Uh, oh, God, was it funny. The dance after it was so fucking funny. Um, what else did the, uh, yeah, the, as far as, um, 
the NBA All-Star Weekend. I didn't watch it. I didn't even watch the contest. But the fact that we turned it on, my son goes, oh, let's see the All-Star game real quick. And the fact that it was Team LeBron versus Team Curry, and they were all mixed up, not East-West, just making it about individuals, just making it about self and instead of team, instead of the East and the West, just absolutely sucks. That's the culture they're in now. It's so shitty. You know, but that's the culture they're in now. You know, LeBron needs people on his team, so he cries until everybody comes there, and he needs to move and go get there. So it's Team LeBron versus Team Curry. I just, it, it's just so silly and and gross. I didn't even watch it, and I'm glad I didn't watch it. I know I sound like an old man. I don't give a shit. I remember the East versus the West. I don't want to see West Coast players playing with LeBron. I want to see LeBron and the East play against the West. Um, what else? All right, three movies, two movies I saw, guys. First movie I saw, my buddy Pete Davidson let me know about it. And uh, he knows the directors. These guys made a movie. I think they're called like the Safdie Brothers or whatever. Check out this movie called Good Time. And it's, um, I will give you the information right now. It was fucking awesome. It was bizarre. It was weird. It was intense, 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 underrated. Uh, it's called Good Time. Okay, yes. And what did it get? Yeah, it got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, it's a 2017 drama slash crime film. Okay. Um, And I will tell you who is in it right now. Really fucking awesome, though. Uh, these two brothers did it, man. And it's about a kind of like a bank robbery... After a heist goes uh, awry, a bank robber spends a night trying to free his mentally handicapped brother from being sent to Rikers Island Prison. Okay, the directors are Benny and Josh, uh, Benny and Josh uh, Safty. Okay, um, and Robert Pattinson. You guys know Robert Pattinson from the Harry Potter movies. You know him from some. He's in it. Uh, the director. Uh, Benny Safdie's in it. Uh, Jennifer uh, Jason Lee is in it. Really good. This bank robbery shit goes on, and the whole movie is running, moving, chasing, like intense. Like, is he going to be caught doing this? He's going to be caught. Really good. Don't want to give it away. Awesome. Check it out. You guys are going to love it. Uh, it's a crime drama thriller. Love it. It's called Good Time. 2017 was when it came out. So if you see Robert uh, Pattinson, that's who that's who did it. Now the other movie I saw, and this was I had a feeling, guys, I had a feeling. The other movie I saw was Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. Now the actress absolutely crushed it. She absolutely crushed it. Okay. So I'm not trying to. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, what the hell is her um, name? Uh, yeah, yeah, Frances uh, McDormand. She was amazing. Woody Harrelson was great. Sam Rockwell was amazing in it. All right, it's about a woman whose daughter was murdered seven months pre prior, or whatever, and nothing was done. And there were these three billboards along this kind of country road nobody goes on, and they were like vacant since the eighties. And she spends money to put signs up, which basically says, my daughter was, you know, raped while dying, still no arrests, um, and then how come, and then like the chief's name, how come, uh, you know, Chief, Chief Willoughby, who was played by uh, Woody Harrelson. And great acting, great scenes, but I gotta be honest, fucking unrealistic Things that just would not have happened. Characters that they build up that you like in the end. Like, I, I mean, this is not a spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert now. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, don't listen to the rest of this. But Sam Rockwell's character, which gets likable and is great at the end, was like, punched a woman in the face, tortured black guys, you know, when, when he was arresting them, I guess. Um, it was just kind of like the, you know, doing things like when he just threw that guy out of the window and came in and broke, he'd be thrown in jail. You wouldn't just get suspended. 
I thought it was kind of uneven and all over the place. I thought it was unrealistic, and I thought that the character development was just kind of a little a little much. So um, I'll say this. I was interested in it. I liked the acting in it. The story kept me interesting. So disappointed with the ending that they don't find who did it, and they're just like, hey, should we go kill that other guy that's a rapist? And like, ah, we'll talk about it, and the movie ends. Really disappointed with the ending. I expected a lot more from it. Um, I can totally understand how the nominees, uh, Academy Award nominees, I really can. Um, she was incredible. I thought Woody Harrelson was great. I thought Sam Rock was great. Like, everything. The whole, the story could have been, I just feel like it just could have been, it was more of like a, it was more of like a social thing, like, than, than like the story, if you know what I mean. Like, they're trying to, okay, yes, this guy's a piece of shit cop, and instead of them harassing black people, they should be looking at this, fine. But, like, the story was that this woman did this for her daughter, and it just doesn't get resolved. And I know there's a bigger picture in it, but I just, I don't know. I thought that they could have closed it out better, and I thought it was really, really unrealistic. In, in a perfect world, all the main people in this movie would have been fucking arrested like a quarter and a halfway through the movie and it wouldn't have been able to be finished. So that's what I think about it. Let me know if you guys think I'm wrong. I love to argue movies, but that's my take on it. I just, I was definitely, I expected a lot more and I thought it could have gone, to, I thought it could have been way, way better. Uh, So there you go. Um, Is that it? Where are we? Yeah, plugs. Guys, I'm going to be in Nashville. With Bill Burr, I'm also doing a show with Sal Vacano from Impractical Jokers, Burt Kreischer, Nate Borgazzi. I'm going to be out there during the festival in April, so you could check those dates out. I have a bunch of dates um, the end of February into March in New York City. I'm going to be, uh, where am I going to? I got a couple of other things too. I think I'm going to be a Catch a Rising Star in Princeton, New Jersey, one of these uh, weekends. So I got a bunch of stuff. It'll all be updated on the... Um, on uh, paulverzi.com, so you guys can uh, check that out, uh, okay, and please check out my sponsors, chassisformen.com and Amazon, get the, your bottle of chassis, premium body powder for the man care, for man balls, that's right, for the balls, man care for down there, it's an amazing product, check out City Living Dog and Coach Mike, check out All Things Comedy, the amazing podcasts and all that stuff, this has been episode 344, you guys are going to have another episode very quickly uh, this week, again, a quick turnaround again, thanks guys, and until uh, 345, I'm out of here, take care.